His body aches as he lies on the cold, hard floor. He tries to find a comfortable position that doesn't cause him pain as he has nowhere else to go. He's no longer free to go where he chooses. He's no longer free to eat what he would like. He's no longer free to talk with the people he'd like to talk with. He's alone. He's physically uncomfortable. His body feels bruised all over. And he's emotionally frustrated. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. He was supposed to be doing work, good work. He had been doing good work. Why was he forgotten? Why was he stuck in this prison cell and forgotten and neglected? He thought that he had seen, that he had touched, that he had spoken with the person who could stop this, who could save him from this place. And that was probably the worst of it. He had friends and followers who visited him and they told him stories about this man and what he was doing. He was healing people of leprosy, of blindness. He was causing, he was uh, casting demons out of people. He was healing. He healed a paralyzed man and he told raging winds and waves to stop and they obeyed. It was great news, but the Messiah was supposed to bring judgment. He was supposed to uh, bring justice. That's what he had preached before he was in prison when he came out of the wilderness. He obeyed the divine call to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near because the ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Justice was supposed to be coming. This man Jesus this man who he had baptized as the one, the king of the new kingdom, who came out of the water, and when he came out, the heavens opened and the spirit came down on him, and the voice said, this is my son whom I love. This had to be the one. He was the one. But what about justice? What about judgment? Why was he still in prison and Jesus was off eating with sinners and tax collectors? the people he should be judging. Where was this new kingdom that he was proclaiming, that he said was near? Was he the one? What's going on? I can imagine this is how John the Baptist felt as he sent his followers to Jesus to say, are you the one or is someone else? Should we wait for someone else? And it's not hard to imagine him thinking these questions and wondering because I have similar questions and I know I've heard people, other people have similar questions and I'm sure all of us have similar questions. God, God, I, I, I know you're at work, I've seen it, I've experienced it, I, I've read your word, I believe it, but why is there so much turmoil in the world? If your kingdom is here, why is there so much pain and suffering? Why is there such disparity between the rich and the poor? Why are things like Taliban taking over in Afghanistan and causing so much pain. I'm pretty sure all of us wrestle with questions like this. God, why? What is going on? At the same time, the world is getting worse in many ways. It's also getting better, though. There are amazing stories of God's kingdom advancing. In North America and Europe, we hear about churches closing a lot. We hear about people turning away from Christianity. But in other places in the world, Africa, Asia, Christianity is growing like crazy. In Africa, 
in 1900, there was under 100 or 10 million people who are Christians, which was about like one in every 14 people. In 2000, there was 350 million Christians. That's like one in every three or more people. And then in Asia, the number of Christians have, has grown twice the, the rate of the population from 1900 to 2000. In 2015, uh, it said there, it, there was 350 million Christians in Asia, and it was projected to grow to 460 million by 2025. And in our own community, we see God at work. Many of you were able to come and see Cycle for Water campaign last Saturday, and as they came through and as they, they're biking across the country to raise money for water wells, on Saturday and Sunday last week alone, they raised money for two more water wells. They have, up to that point, 36 water wells paid for. This year we've seen three people baptized in our congregation. We've seen people come to, to become members and more wanting to. God is at work all around us. Charles Dickens said, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. We see God at work and it seems like things are getting better, it's the best. But we also see so much pain and so much suffering, it seems like the worst of times. So like John the Baptist, we ask, God, what is going on? Last week, Acts 29 drama camp, they presented their play in a kingdom far away. And it illustrated how different God's kingdom is to the kingdoms of this world. Its values are so much different. And then Pastor Chris came up and he talked about how the kingdom of, of God is like a hidden treasure or a pearl of great price. And it was from Jesus' parables in Matthew 13. And he talked about how that the kingdom is open to everyone, even if they perpetually mess up. And it's a kingdom that starts very small, like a mustard seed, but grows into this large plant. It's also like a, a little bit of yeast that's worked in through a large batch of dough. It's so valuable, it's worth giving up everything to be a part of, and it's so good because the king is good. Part of what's going on in the world is that God's kingdom is breaking in. God's kingdom of different values than the kingdoms of the world is breaking in to this kingdom, to these kingdoms, and we sometimes call God's kingdom the upside-down kingdom of God because its values are so radically different than the, than the values of this world. A few weeks ago, we talked about how God's kingdom, uh, to find life, you have to give it to Jesus. In God's kingdom, to have a position of honor, you have to be humble. In God's kingdom, uh, rather than seeking revenge, even when it's warranted, his kingdom is all about forgiveness. It's an upside-down kingdom because it's so radically different than the ways of the kingdoms of the world. So what's going on in our world? God's kingdom is breaking in. Leon Morris was an Australian New Testament scholar and he explains kingdom this way. I really like how he explains this. We should understand kingdom as meaning rule rather than realm. That is to say the expression is dynamic. It points to us to God as doing something as actively ruling rather than to an area or a group of people over which he is sovereign. The kingdom is something that happens rather than something that exists. So God's kingdom 
is breaking into a world of different values. But we still have the question, if God's kingdom is good and it's powerful and it's breaking in, why is there still so much suffering and still so much pain in the world? And I think that's what the story that Jesus tells in Matthew 13 that Alyssa just read talks about. I think that Jesus speaks to John the Baptist's question about uh, why there's so much injustice still. In the passage Alyssa just read, uh, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like uh, something that people would resonate with, they would understand. A man goes out and sows good seed in his field. And then, while everybody is sleeping, an enemy comes in and sows bad seed. There was actually a Roman law that prohibited people from sowing bad seed in another, another farmer's field. So this was something that happened. Rival farmers would plant bad seed in each other's fields. The bad seed, it was most likely a, a seed called darnel. It looks very much like wheat, but it, it grows, um, when it grows up, it's easily distinguished at harvest time. So when the seeds began to grow in the man's field, the, far, the, the workers noticed what was going on and they, they noticed that there was bad seed and good seed growing all over the field and so the, the farmer immediately recognized this was, this was an enemy that had done this. So the servants asked the obvious question, should we weed the fields? Do we go out and get rid of all this bad seed? And the farmer is emphatic, no, do not. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I have planted seeds. I've weeded the, the garden, and I have harvested fruits and vegetables. Probably not as much as I would have if I was better at it, but, but I, I've experienced it a little bit. There are times when it's very hard for me to distinguish between what a weed is and what the plant is. And then there are other times when I pull a weed and the plant comes up with it because the, the roots are intertwined. I know that in the gardens I've worked in, it's better to weed as soon as possible so that you get, that the weeds don't choke out the plants. But from what I read about this weed darnel and, and the situation here is that darnel and wheat can grow alongside each other all the way up to harvest time without harm to the wheat. So the farmer explains that by pulling the weeds now, it, it, it would be more harmful to the wheat than waiting. They're hard to distinguish from each other. They, um, their roots are intermingled, so pulling up weeds would harm the harvest. It would harm the crop. However, this does not mean that the, that the darnel will be mixed with the wheat at harvest time. At harvest time, uh, they're easily distinguished from each other, and so they will collect the darnel, the bad stuff, and they'll put it to be burned, and then they will collect the wheat, and they'll put it in the barn to be stored. And there you have it. That's the story of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus goes on, and he talks about another parable, a different aspect of the kingdom. So, it's so clear, right? Fortunately, Jesus explains this story. He only explains three of his parables in detail. And this is one of them. So later, after the... Um, the disciples go into the house away from the crowd. He explains this parable, and he explains that the sower of the seed 
uh, of the good seed is the owner, and, um, and he is Jesus. And in the NIV, the verse 37 says, uh, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. But this verb sowed is actually a present active participle which would be tr better translated sowing. The man who's sowing the good seed is the son of man, which would indicate that he's still at work in his field. He's still sowing seeds. He didn't just go out once and do it. And he's the one who owns the field. It's not a hired hand, someone who's not invested. The enemy doesn't own the field. Jesus owns the field. He cares about the field. He's at work in the field, and he's invested in the field. The next verse tells us that the field uh, is the world and that the good seed are the people of the kingdom of God and the bad seed are the people of the enemy. And the, so the world, it stands for the, um, all the people across the globe. And verse 39 tells us that the enemy is the devil, the evil one. So we began with the question, why? Why, God, in, if your kingdom is good and it's coming and it's powerful, uh, uh, why is there still so much pain and struggle and suffering in the world? Why is there so much hatred and destruction and wickedness? In this story, Jesus explains that the kingdom of heaven is invading. Jesus is growing good seeds. There are people of his kingdom, people who love him, who've chosen to follow him, who are wheat. But there is also an enemy. And there are people who are on the side of the enemy. The enemy is seductive. Like the weed, wheat, or like the weed darnel, that it mimics the wheat, the devil, the devil mimics Jesus. He tries to make something that is not good look good, he tries to destroy the work of Jesus, and he plants seeds that oppose the work of God, that his good work that he's doing. So there are two kinds of seeds growing. There are the good seeds, people of the kingdom, and there are the bad seeds, people who have rejected the message of Jesus, people who do not know Jesus and who are believing the lies of the enemy. The last verse explains, the last verses that, of the explanation ex, explain that there will be justice. The bad seeds who are working against the kingdom, who cause so much pain and suffering and harm in the good world that God is sowing good seeds in, they will be judged. Justice will be had. That's not a concern. John the Baptist's question was about justice. He saw the good things that Jesus was doing. He was certain Jesus was the Messiah when he baptized him, yet he wasn't acting like he thought he should and bringing justice and judgment right away. He wasn't getting rid of evil. This story explains that there is a plan for the wickedness and the evil that is in the world. That's not a concern. There will be justice. However, now is not yet the time. If he were to get rid of evil now, he would pull weeds and harm the crop. Think about some of the stories in the Bible that would have been harmed if God would have come in and destroyed evil too early. I think of Joseph in the story of uh, in Genesis 37 to 50. As Joseph was sold to slavery by his brothers, I'm sure he wanted justice right then and there, judgment to be had. And if God would have come in and stopped it, 
he would have been so grateful. Or I'm sure that when he was accused by Potiphar's wife and he was thrown into prison, he would love to have seen justice happen right then. But if God would have come in at either of those times, then he wouldn't have been in place for when the famine came and the brothers came to buy food. And the message of the, 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 the whole story tells about how the brothers intended something for harm, but God intended for good, would, it, would have, it wouldn't have been there. Another story that comes to mind is that of Apostle Paul. He started off as a murderous zealot opposing everything about the kingdom and about Jesus' work. Imagine if God would have come in and judged him before his conversion. What would the New Testament look like without his conversion story, without his work for the Gentiles, without the, the letters that he wrote with such passion for God's work that are included in our New Testament? The thing is, we don't know whether someone is weed or wheat. If the Apostle Paul would have been pulled as a weed before his story unfolded, damage would have been done to the kingdom because he was really a wheat. Jesus is teaching here that the people of the kingdom are not ultimately harmed by growing together with the weed. It's better for the kingdom that the people of the kingdom continue their work of growing and producing fruit even in the midst of pain, suffering, and struggle. There once was an oyster whose story I tell, who found that some sand had got into its shell. It was only a grain, but it gave him great pain, for oysters have feelings, although they're so plain. Now, did he berate the harsh workings of fate that had brought him to such a deplorable state? Did he curse at the government, cry for election, and claim that the sea should have given him protection? No, he said to himself as he lay on a shell, since I cannot remove it, I'll try to improve it. Now the years have rolled by as the years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny, stew. (laughs) And the small grain of sand that had bothered him so was a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now the tale has a moral, for isn't it grand what an oyster can do with a small grain of sand? What couldn't we do if we'd only begin with some of the things that get under our skin? I don't mean to belittle our pain or our suffering or our struggle with this little poem, but it does illustrate that God's ways, his plan, his purposes are for beauty, for love, for joy, for goodness, not only to win, but to be maximized. He wants to maximize all the good. There was once a a college student who was struggling in all areas of his life. He spent a great deal of time feeling angry and feeling frustrated. When he could stand it no longer, he went down to the college college campus chapel that was very seldom used, kind of dusty in there. He, He paced up and down the aisles. He smacked the back of the pews as he ranted and raved to God. God, you created the world. What could you possibly have been thinking? Look at all the problems people face. Look at the pain and the suffering and the hunger. Look at the neglect, the waste, the the abuse. Everywhere I look, I see messed up people, hurting people, lonely people. He he ranted and he raved on and on, and finally he exhausted. He sat down in the front pew, and he stared at the cross, and he said, it's all such a mess. 
This world you created is nothing but a terrible mess. I could do much better. I could make a world better than this one. And then he heard a voice that made his jaw drop. And that is exactly what I want you to do. God has planted us, his good seed in his field, a world he loves and he cares about. He's given us life through his life, death, and resurrection. And when we accept the gift, when we believe that Jesus is our king, that he's the king of the kingdom, and we give our lives to him, he plants us in his field, in the world, and he empowers us with the Holy Spirit to produce good fruit. Galatians 5, to 23 says, those fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He empowers us to produce these fruits and share it with the people around us and invite them to become part of this kingdom, this kingdom that's so radically different, so much more beautiful and joyful with a future that is secure. Yes, we live in a world that is both getting worse and getting better. It's getting worse because of the work of the enemy. It's getting better because of the work of God's kingdom. But our job is not to judge who's in or out. Our job is to invite. Our job is to be discerning. It is to be fruitful as we seek to build the kingdom. God knows who's in. He knows who's with him, who's for him, who will be for him, and who is against him. He owns the field, he keeps sowing the good seed, and he knows when the prime time for harvest is. He's got that all worked out. Turn to Jesus, trust Jesus, and live out the invitation for others to be a part of his kingdom. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are king. You are king of this world, you are king of the universe, and your kingdom is moving. It's invading, it's coming in, and you will have justice. In the meantime, give us strength to live amongst the pain and the suffering and to bring healing where we can, to bring goodness by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in us. Lord, you've planted us where you want us. And you've planted your people across the globe. There are people working. Your kingdom is invading all across the globe. Help us to be aware of that, to pray for that. May your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Bless us as we go and live out your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.